Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground and it's still on the ground. Picked up by TJ Ward at the four yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again. Watson. Touchdown! Hunter Renfro. Little man makes another enormous play. One second remaining. Ladies and gentlemen, football to the max. Your host, Sean Garmer, Gary Vaughn, and Randy Isbell. Hello and welcome to another football to the max as we are set to discuss these NFL divisional round games and also kind of get caught up on some of the coaching things that are going on, like Kyle Shanahan possibly going to those San Francisco 49ers. And we're even going to talk about the greatness of Aaron Rodgers. Can he be compared to Michael Jordan? Did he finally reach that summit? We'll talk about that as well. So, uh, Randy, it's been a while since we've done a little uh, show here. We keep, uh, Having to push this thing on the, on Friday and then you don't get to be on. So, how have things been going? Well, things have been going great. And I would not miss this episode. The last show of the season that I have to talk about your Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I mean, everybody's been talking about them everywhere you see. I mean, I don't even know how NFL Network, ESPN, FS1. I don't know how, how anybody had a show today uh, because, yeah. of, you know, they, they basically. Payless is all he talks about. Yeah. So, um, but, yeah, I mean, uh, I know you're happy, Randy, and we'll see. I mean, I'll be. Hopefully happy. Uh, I, I'm, I'll just say well, this. I mean, I hope technically, I'll... he has a pregnant girlfriend that would probably be really upset if they didn't win. So oh. it's probably a bit more important than she was probably stressed upset. When we get to that game, boy, do I have stories for you. Okay, I can't wait. So, oh man, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on in this world of football right now. But yeah, and the Cowboys are done, and several other teams that look like the promising are done. Yeah, that's uh, the truth. So let's get into the game that everyone pretty much knew what the final score was going to be. Um, Maybe not the exact score, but they knew who was going to win, and that was the New England Patriots. Uh, They had a uh, rough go of it for a while. Houston was actually staying in it, uh, 14-13 at a certain point. Uh, New England was only up like three for a while, and then they blew it open in the second half and were able to win 
and coast into that conference championship game. And, of course, Brock Osweiler, once again, the great Mighty Poo. Yeah. Uh, no, it is just not exciting about talking about him. I'll say this. You know, he at least, you know, didn't screw up so much where they gave the Patriots a, you know, shot to get this thing done in the first quarter. But I will say, I mean, surprisingly enough, I mean, they made it throughout this game and towards the end, you know, without being embarrassed. So, I mean, you got to give credit to the, the Houston Texans defense for that, I think, a lot. But. In the end, I mean, you, you got to get props. Osweiler didn't screw up too much. But this did work out the way we expected. I mean, in the end, uh, you know, Sean, I talked about LeGarrette Blunt being the running back, you know, overshadowing Tom Brady. It wasn't him at all. <laughs> Deion Lewis was the guy that everybody was looking at. Yeah, Deion Lewis has been quiet since he came back. I think they were saving him for this kind of moment right here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the result, I don't think, was ever in question. The first half definitely surprised me for sure, just how Houston was able to stay into it, obviously mostly because of their defense. Uh, listen, out of all of the teams that played this weekend, New England played the only team that they could play as badly as they did and still beat. And that's because of the terrible quarterback that is in Houston. I've talked about it all season long. They're stuck with him for another year, so sorry, Texans fans, just get used to it. But this is the team you have right now, is a great defensive team that you just hope he doesn't make mistakes. Osweiler didn't make those mistakes in the first half, and it was close. Unfortunately, his receivers were the ones that were making the terrible mistakes. He actually made a really nice throw to Will Fuller in this game that he just straight out dropped that should have been a touchdown. Could have swung the momentum completely around. Instead... They're unable to take the lead, and you see in the second half where New England finally put their foot down on the Texans. And even though the defense did everything they could to keep them in this game, they you cannot go four quarters with an offense that Houston had on the field and stay with the Patriots. No, you certainly can't, and that was the thing that we were looking at when we were sitting there making predictions is that, yeah, the defense can be able to keep them in it for, for how long? And eventually, you know, Patriots will be able to figure out how to break it. They did. It's, you know, you, you got to be a team that keeps up with the Patriots scoring-wise. Houston just wasn't that team, and it showed here uh, in the loss, honestly. So, moving on to a much more, uh, I guess you could say, exciting game in the Atlanta Falcons playing the Seattle Seahawks. A game that was close for a while again, and then Atlanta just poured it on, and Seattle just didn't have an answer. Uh, the defense here, I think, the, the this is exactly what I said in the preview. I said this is the game they're going to show where they miss Earl Thomas. They showed it here. Um, there's This is certainly not the Legion of Boom that there has been in previous years. Atlanta being at home, the which now won't be the final uh, game in the Georgia Dome. That will be next week. But, I mean, they they, they gave it everything, and, and Seattle just really didn't have an answer. And this is where Atlanta's been winning. It's been with offense. And honestly, this year has proven to me this is no longer defense wins championships. This is offense wins championships in this league right now. Well, it helps that that you have to have a great quarterback as well with that offense. I think if you had a mediocre quarterback in Houston, they probably beat New England this last weekend. No, I wouldn't go as far as saying you know the script has completely been flipped, but. It definitely helps, as you said, that this game was in Atlanta. I think if it was in Seattle, we're probably speaking a whole different story here. But, you know, that Seahawks defense is not what it used to be, mostly because of injuries, a little bit because of age. And, you know, when you have to play in the, in the fast turf of Atlanta, you, you're going to get burnt. And I, it just drives me absolutely nuts to <laughs> see 
It's like, what, two days later, reports come out that, oh, Richard Sherman was actually hurt, and, and they just didn't want to bring it up until the game. No, he got burnt, and now he's coming up with excuses. It drives me absolutely right? insane. Yeah, exactly. And just drives me nuts, and that's why I don't like the Seahawks, on top of being in the Northwest and listening to people just overhype them to no end. But I will say this was a, an evenly matched game, kind of what the Green Bay-Dallas game was. It was just played at the wrong field for Seattle to stay in this game. And you, as you said, again, second quarter, this is really close. I, I didn't really think Matt Ryan was that that great in this game. He struggled to me. He floated too many balls. There was a lot where he would just throw it up and miss his receiver by five yards. And you would think, you know, if Seattle was fully healthy and they had their main stars out there, maybe they'd take advantage a bit more than they were able to. But Devontae Freeman was excellent. So was Tevin Coleman. That's that's what's so scary about Atlanta. Is like I don't remember a team that has two running backs that are so prevalent in the passing game as Atlanta, which makes it so tough to defend when you also have Julio Jones and Tyler Gabriel able to stretch the field. So they, they have such a wonderful complement in that passing game that is tough for any defense to be able to cover, especially when you're on the turf. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, looking at this whole game in general, you got to give credit to the Seahawks for at least, you know, using their defense as best as they could to really get Matt Ryan a little nervous and to put some looks out there that, you know, didn't give him success early. And I think that in general, uh, what really, you know, hurt the Seahawks is the fact that, you know, you did have such a balanced offense going against them. And eventually they were, you know, getting tired out. And you could see that at the end of the game. You could see the Seahawks' defense was just their tongues were hanging out from being out there way too long, having to put so much stress on them. They're not used to that. You're used to getting people out within, you know, three or four first downs, you know. It's not that hard sometimes. And with this offense and as balanced as they are, they couldn't do that. So the floodgates eventually broke open, right? There was little leaks here and there in the first half. And then the next thing you know, it's it's a the dam has been broken. So I think, you know, Matt Ryan did struggle, like Randy said at times, and he did not look his best. But at the end of the day... I mean, it looked like, you know, he planned this all or something because, you know, when you're standing there at the end of the game, you're just, man, this is a blowout or something, isn't it? No, it wasn't. It was not that. So Atlanta is such a weird team because their offense is so much stronger than their defense. But you got to give credit to that defense, too. They did hold, you know, for the most part, hold Seattle in check. Yes, they certainly did. And so now Atlanta moves on to the conference championship game, uh, a game that I didn't have them in, but but Gary did. So and, and so did Randy. So I look terrible on that. But uh, now we move on to the AFC side of things, where they played at night because of some crazy snowstorm that was supposed to hit up there. It turns out it really didn't. Because, you know, the NFL is great at predicting the weather. And so they play this game at night. Chris Boswell hit six field goals. And that was enough for the Pittsburgh Steelers to win, outlasting the Kansas City Chiefs, who had a two-point conversion called back on an obvious holding call. Travis Kelsey, shut the woo up, man. What in the world are you looking at, man? That is a hold on any given Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, whatever. You are up a creek, sir. Your team didn't do it when it mattered. Uh, and that's, I mean, honestly, yeah, it was. It was it sucks that you had it called back on a hold, but it was an obvious hold. What are you going to do? And then you didn't, uh, the defense didn't do what they're supposed to do at the end and hold them. And try to get the ball back. So, you know, it's kind of sad. The Chiefs had the shot to tie it up, and you never know. Because uh, that, that Steelers offense wasn't uh, clicking as as well as they usually do. And, yeah, but but they found ways to win. That's what great teams do in the end. 
I want to correct you on, uh, on a couple things. They mostly moved it back for the weather, not because of what it would do to the game. It was due to the travel and and the icy conditions around the stadium. And they were showing a lot of that. I don't think it hit as hard as they thought it was going to, but the time difference was because they wanted safe travels for the fans to get to the stadium. And they wanted to have extra time to kind of prep all of that. Not and, like they're going to complain about having a game at prime time either. Come on now. Well, prime time on a Sunday is slightly different. I mean, obviously we're used to that because of Sunday night football. But I still, th- I think the number probably would have been better if it was still that early game, especially with the way it played out. Because let's let's be honest, the Chiefs do not have the most exciting offense in the world. I mean, Tyreek right. Hill has been very exciting himself, but this was the game that we thought it was going to be. Pittsburgh, you know, was going all over the field with with Bell and Brown and put putting up a lot of yards. But the Chiefs did what you expected them to do. They bent. They didn't break. They never allowed them once to find the end zone, which is ridiculous. But unfortunately, Kansas City had two drives in this game. They had one early on where they scored and took a 7-6 lead in the first quarter. And then they never did anything again until that last drive that took seven minutes to slowly get down the field. The other thing I'll bring up is, and I totally agree, that's a holding call, 100%. I'm with you. But I can't really blame Travis Kelsey for his response just for the fact that we've seen Travis Kelsey this year. If I remember right, he's the one that got ejected for throwing, what, the hat or the, the, yeah, the flag back the at referee. the ref? Yeah. Yeah. So he, we know he's a very emotional guy. And he gets done with a very emotional playoff game where it comes down to a two-point game. They think they've tied it up. They, they get the call right. Again, I totally agree with you there. But as a player, you're never going to see it that way, especially 20 minutes after the game. So if he goes on this rant... Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. A month from now, yes, I'm with you. Travis Kelsey, shut up. But this is the state of sports where you're still hyped up from the game. You're still emotional and they're shoving microphones in your face trying to get that sound bite and they got it and it's whatever to me for whatever he said i disagree with his point but i'm not going to sit here like other situations and tell him to shut up or anything strictly put you know the offense just could not get anything going the fact that the stat that i saw today where pittsburgh is the first team in playoff history to go negative two in the touchdown stat. They gave up two more touchdowns than they scored. They're the first team to ever do that and win the playoff game. It was like teams previous were 0 and 240 or some ridiculous number when going negative two in touchdowns against their opponent. So just the fact that the defense did everything they could to slow down a high-powered offense and the offense just could do nothing for basically... 40 minutes in this game. Yeah, you know, and it was a little bit of a surprise to me, but on the other hand, it wasn't because, you know, I thought maybe, you know, Pittsburgh comes to this game, starts out slow, and then they're just going to be, you know, wearing out, you know, Kansas City's defense because, 
I, I was just, man, the way the Pittsburgh's defense has kind of transformed over this season and they really got into a groove and really played a lot harder than earlier in the season, I kind of thought maybe they can slow down Kansas City's offense more than Kansas City's defense could even do Pittsburgh. So the way this all worked out, it was a close game. I think it you know, it was well-deserved to be a close game because both teams, I mean, honestly – it's hard to say that either or don't deserve to be in the conference championship. I, I like both these teams. I really, really do. Pittsburgh is the one I picked. They edged it out. I really they wanted the Chiefs so that we could have the possible nightmare for the NFL of Atlanta against Kansas City in the Super Bowl. Oh, I know. I know you did. Oh, I wanted it so bad so they can shut up. And and sit there and, and go wallow in there. Oh my god, the low ratings for our still out does everything else on TV by a zillion. Shut up. Just come on now. Get with the times that people don't watch things live anymore as much as they used to. And stop crying about it. I get so tired of hearing about all this stuff about the freaking biggest, one of the biggest sports leagues and all of everything complaining about ratings. So sad. Like, y'all don't have anything else that makes money. Give me a break. What do you guys think about uh, Boswell? And I think, didn't he get a record for, like, the most field goals in game six? So so here's the crazy thing about this. Uh, Again, full credit to Boswell. Not only does he make six field goals, he was six for six. He didn't miss one. But to be honest, he was probably the third best kicking performance of the weekend. Oh, yeah, certainly. Yeah. I mean... Because we still have two more kickers we're going to talk about in the last game that I think had a more important role than what Boswell did, even though he did all of the scoring for the Steelers. (laughs) Well, technically, that last kick was important because if they would have not had that final field goal, they would have lost. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But I think all of them were within, I think the longest was 47 yards? Yeah, didn't have to kick a 50-yarder, but I mean, yeah. he also is at home, so that helps, you know. Uh, oh, they're, still they're a record Kansas. that he broke, though. So why does everybody think this game was played in Pittsburgh? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I forgot. It's, uh, I I only what? bring up because I had four different people this weekend say, "Oh, they're playing at home; they're going to win." Like before and after the game, everyone thought this game <laughs> yeah, was played no, in Pittsburgh. Not. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> I don't know why. I just I just had a brain fart for a second. But do do you think that, that you know that you know it being in Arrowhead? I think also had a big part in this game too, though. Because oh, oh yeah, sure. the defense was fired yeah. up because of that. Well, and you know the Steelers fans showed up to this game. Don't get me wrong. I mean, there were plenty of Steelers fans, but it's just that at the end of the day, I mean, home field advantage did help the Chiefs stay close. I, I really feel like that this was played in Pittsburgh. We're talking about a tale of two different stories here. Oh, it's just like the Seattle and uh, Atlanta mm-hmm. game. You know that yep. being at home helps the defense. You know, so I mean the the Chiefs and Seahawks have some terrific defenses. They're at home. They probably play much better than when they're on the road. And you know, I think that's the case for the Chiefs. Yeah. And in the next game we'll talk about, I think that, that one of the teams actually plays better and not at home. <laughs> uh, so. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. They they were great at home, too, this season. So it's they just play great all the time when they're when Rodgers is on fire, specifically. But, uh, you know, let's get into that. We already kind of mentioned it here. The Dallas Cowboys lose at home to the Green Day Packers, and the the heart. I mean, and it's it's a game that easily looked like it was going to be blowout city for the Packers, but the Cowboys valiantly fought back. They just had too much time left on the clock, and I mean, look, who knows what would have happened in in overtime if the Packers would have got the ball first. Same thing could have just happened, you know. Uh, same thing as the Cowboys could have got the ball first and won because the Packers' defense looked worse at the end of the game than the Cowboys' defense. They couldn't stop anything. But, again, it all comes down to different factors. 
and one of them being Hall of Famer Aaron Rodgers throwing one hell of a pass and one hell of a catch by Jared Cook to stay in bounds, and then Mason Crosby getting iced and still kicking in the field goal on the second try to get the Packers the win. Uh, I mean, I can't say enough about Aaron Rodgers just being ridiculous in this game. And, yeah, just and a big play by Nick Perry on that third down, too, where he deflected the pass because that's a first down or that even gets completed. We're talking about a different game here. Yeah, you're right. And, you know, uh, you know, I, I, my, my grandfather used to say this, and I actually quoted this on one of our other podcasts, but my grandfather used to say, there's some people that you can knock them in a pile of crap and they'll stand up smelling like roses. That's Aaron Rodgers. There's several different things in this game that you can point to and say, how did the heck did that happen? There were two fumbles who really probably should have fumbled. And with that sack, uh, you know, towards the end of the game was one. I mean, he, the ball was starting to come out. Still was able to keep on to it. You know, the the handoff to Montgomery, that was almost a fumble. The, different things in this game. And then, of course, that last-minute throw, you know, to get that big yardage to get the set up the field goal at the end. I mean, it was all just magic. I mean, that was across his body. It was a throw that, you know, was difficult, but he made it. And I'm not taking anything away from Aaron Rodgers. I'm just saying sometimes no matter what you do, things go your way. And I think that's what's happening with Aaron Rodgers this year. And uh, it could I be just, a magical look, season, you know. Could be. Very could much be. like I, I, how they won the playoff, the Super Bowl the first that yeah, and that first year with Aaron Rodgers. Exactly. AT&T Stadium gives Aaron Rodgers lots of love. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, you you got to look at the Dallas Cowboys. They started out bad, slow. I really credit the loss to them really being the fact that that coaching staff has a problem handing Elliott the ball too many times. They get to they get to be too excited about passing the ball still, even though this offensive line is set to run the ball down someone's throat. They refuse to do it. Um, and just there you go. I think that really kind of put them in a hole. Had three yeah. and outs. Had an interception in the I game. I don't understand why on God's green earth you didn't run the ball on that third down. Mm-hmm. Like, why you have the timeout? Like you have the time. It's, they should have ran the ball at least once on that drive. They couldn't. They were getting to a point where the defense knew to expect pass, pass, pass. You never, you run it. You never know what you're getting. You've done it before, mm-hmm. and Zeke breaks it open. It just, I don't. It just Jason Garrett gets in this mind frame, and I and I, the people that are calling for him to be fired are idiots. Number one, you guys are not watched enough of the season to say that you don't fire somebody on one call like that, unless they've just had a bad season, and it's like one of those. Okay, well this that was it, you know. Mm-hmm. Everybody has mental lapses at times. Even some of the greatest coaches. Look at Andy Reid. How many times that dude is? Yeah, he got the Super Bowl once, but how many times he's a championship game king? Because he something he does happens. You know, because yeah. you could have made the case for. Uh, I mean, Aaron, I, at one point during that play, Alex Smith really should have just ran it like Dak did. He had the open. He had the opening, but he didn't. You know, mm-hmm. but I just it, it's so it's such a crappy thing to say because you did what you're supposed to do. Right. You got it down there. You got it to where Dan Bailey could get the field goal. And then your defense just gives up one big play. And I mean, they've been giving a big place the whole game. But I mean, they gave up the one last big play that did them in. Had they not done that, had they been five yards shorter, had they been, you know, anything. You're talking about overtime, and it's a different deal at that point. But, yeah, you know, things uh, happen for a reason. Exactly. You know, I also look at Dak Prescott. You know, I, he did a great job coming back in this game. I, I get it. People were already asking for Romo. I knew, you know, that was going to be the case. But at the end of the day, Dak Prescott brought this team back. He, he didn't act like he was scared. He, he found a way to get back in the game. Did what needed to be done. But he still is a rookie, and you saw some of those rookieisms. In the game, you know, like spiking the ball, uh, and of course throwing the interception. That's not his call. 
Well, it's not also it's something that you know he could have called out of. He could audible and he could make a choice. Right, you know, Romo, Tony Romo's been right, a veteran but that's for years. Romo. And, Romo's well, been I know, here but you have to remember Tony Romo also didn't do that in his rookie season. Didn't do that in his even second season. It took him to finally have some guts and say, "Look, <laughs> all right, I'm done. I, I know what's right. I'm here with this football team." Yeah, You're exactly. You have to know. You have that experience. Exactly. To say, so Dak. Prescott yeah. doesn't have that experience. So that's my point. So anyway, so moving past that, my point is Dak Prescott, you got a chance to see him do well, but you still see the youth. You know, it's what you get, right, at the end of the day. So the Dallas Cowboys did a good job. They didn't look terrible at the end. They just lost a close game. Um, but, I mean, you know, like I said before, I think if the Cowboys would have been ahead in this game, one second left, and, you know, all they were going to do is kneel the ball I guarantee you would have fumbled it and the Packers would have been back for a touchdown because Aaron Rodgers is on the sideline. But it's okay. It's okay. They lost. No big deal. So I, I want to hear these Packers stories. That's what I'm most excited about. <laughs> well, uh, before I get to that part, I just got to ask. So you both say that spiking the ball was a bad play. I personally think that they should have let the clock run down more. And so, they, mm-hmm. so you just – figure that they should just play for overtime yeah no no no, no. i take that no. back no i'm not saying play for no no no, no, no but you could is, call the time out there and spike when you're gonna kick the field goal. well so but so here's the or thing you can, say, the, or no, you can or you can do what so most people time. do and you don't call and you don't spike it and you just run the play yeah. You got 30 seconds left you don't have to start spiking the ball at 40 or 30 seconds left well, you got to save as much time because their their goal at that point is to score a touchdown, and calling your last time out there, you have to have that as a safety net, just in case a play goes wrong. And okay, you have to get but he obviously back. didn't try to go for the touchdown because yeah, you would have ran the ball at some point during. How, this. how much time was on the clock? Why would you? There's forty seconds left when they called that timeout. Forty. Almost fifty. Okay, forty. Yeah, almost fifty seconds. You can't run a play in that time. Come on, man. Run. You didn't have to spike it there. That was ridiculous. You don't spike the ball at 50 seconds left. That's ridiculous. Okay. So from now on, if anyone ever spikes the ball, then that's the most ridiculous thing. No, ever you spike the ball when you get inside 30 seconds. No, He's, you set it up. You still have two plays to get he 10 can, yards. Okay. He could still run up to the line and call a play. Okay. So you call a play. That takes 10, 15 seconds. Everyone's discombobulated. Okay, how much team. more time and did it take for you to decide to not want to pull back and throw the ball instead of running up there? You still have to run up there in formation to spike the ball. How much more time does it take for you to sit in the shotgun, at grab a snap instead of running up there and spiking it? Not that much more time. 10 to 15 seconds. No, it does not take 15 seconds okay. for him to get... Okay, well, okay, no, it does. If you want to just run up and hike the ball and go for it, no. But you have a rookie quarterback. You're going to tell me that you want you don't want him to figure out what the hell the defense is doing? Then call the timeout. Then that's your safety net. That's the whole point of but spiking you the ball. Ha- okay, second, but then second down, they do a quick out. That's five six yards, makes it a, a manageable third down. Not a lot of time has been taken off the clock. And then, as you said, the defensive lineman makes a great play. And stops that first down from happening. So I have no problem with the spike. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers makes this ridiculous play, and that's how you lose. But at that point, Jason Garrett's still thinking, we have enough time. We have almost 50 seconds and one timeout. Go spike it, and let's go win this game. Now, it didn't happen that way, but I don't think spiking the ball was the reason for it. It's like at that point, not yes, spiking the ball there. Yes, but you run more time off the clock so that they don't have three seconds left when he throws that ball. But you don't know that. You want you right, want as much but time you off. don't want to leave it on your defense. They've been smoking you all game. It was first down. It doesn't. Not he leave, he you doesn't. Don't the, he he has on, had this problem. Listen, you're not spiking the ball. Going okay. Right now, they're not thinking defense at all. They're thinking this drive needs to end in the end zone. We need 
these 50 seconds to get into the end zone. You're not thinking, well, on first down, we really need to make sure that there's no time left for Aaron Rodgers because we're just going to kick this field goal. No, he's thinking we're winning this game. So we need this extra 5 to 10 to 15 seconds to get ourselves down the field and win this game. Now, they didn't get the first down and had to kick the field goal, and it backfired. But at the time, he's not thinking, well, you know, if we would just run the ball with Zeke and just, you know, kick the field goal, we'll go to overtime and we'll take our chances there. There's That's nothing not that says you had to run it, okay? You had a better chance of getting the first down, running it at that point, than you did trying to throw it when everybody in the hell knows you're going to throw the ball. Yeah, but, and okay. you can still get up and spike it. It doesn't just because he ran it doesn't mean that. Oh my God, all the time's gonna run out, and I I just don't. Jason Garrett has had this problem for a long time. He's had he's done this many times in different games. This is not the first time this has happened. So this is where I just I don't agree with you. We're gonna disagree until the cows come home. Wow. There was other ways to handle this. I'll say it this way, and I agree with the Jason Garrett thing, but I'll say this. this they played this a completely different way. Their two-minute drill is completely different than this. They never spiked the ball. I, I don't think I've seen a game this year where they purposely did that with that much time in the clock. I Usually, he, Look, uh, this happens. They've never, the playoffs, they've never they been nervous. down at this point. They've never been down at this point. Yeah, they have against the Eagles. They were down. The Eagles. The they don't Redskins, care about the Eagles and, game. I'm they just care, saying what it is is Jason Garrett got nervous as the playoffs is going to happen. Yeah. You know, but, but and, and he's got Dak and he's, he's worried about our crap or what happens if, you know, he doesn't get up there and something happens. And, you know, I get it. You got a lot to worry about, but it's just. All I'm, all I'm saying is at that point, if they go down, score the touchdown or Aaron Rodgers doesn't make a crazy pass, nobody cares about spiking the ball. It's, it, once it all happened, it was like, okay, what happened? Oh, they spiked the ball. Now I'm going to be mad about that part. It's, it just, it's, no, it's I agree. Monday morning quarterback on that situation, on, mm-hmm. on a play that, honestly, when you have a rookie quarterback, spike the ball, reset yourself, don't get ahead of the moment. Because once again, to me, if I have a rookie quarterback, I don't want him going up there quickly making a call and then trying to make a throw. Because at that point, that's when you're going to make a mistake. That's when you're going to mm-hmm. throw a pick, and then you're going to lose the game anyways. So go ahead, spike the ball, reset yourself, and then let's go. Unfortunately, they not only then go out of bounds on second down, but incomplete on third, so no time comes off the clock the rest of the way. And then what happens, happens. But, yes, if they would have just let that clock run, are we probably talking about how great overtime was? Absolutely. But... I, I don't think that was a bad decision. It cost them, yes, but I don't disagree with it. But as far as the rest of the game goes, because we've talked a lot for this one play, I, I, I have to say, you know, I have been on you guys a lot as far as, like, the overhyping of Dak Prescott. I've always thought he's been good this season, great for a rookie, but putting him in the MVP talks and all of that stuff was driving me nuts. What that kid did in the second half after he threw the interception, which I don't think was his fault. It was a wonderful play by the defense reading that it was going to be a wide receiver screen. Maybe with a, a few more years, he could see that they understood what was happening and can pump fake it. Or just don't call that out play because you've called a screen like 20 times in that game. But Yeah, because they're protecting Dak. It's what I've said all season long. His, his yards per pass attempt is so small. I mean, because they're protecting him, which is fine. He's a rookie. I, I thought the play calling for this team was great. Yes, they could have ran it a bit more with Elliott, but they got down and, and wanted to throw it. And let's be honest, they torched that secondary in the second half. But once he threw that interception, Dak was a whole different guy. And so was that offense. And they took it to Green Bay and got themselves back in this game. And I give full credit to Prescott. It's just an absolutely wonderful performance by him in the second half he was just going up against the possibly the greatest of all time in Rodgers who just finds a way to do ridiculous things once again and that's where I have to bring up the story with the girlfriend who's a a huge Packers fan and what seven months pregnant now so the emotions are running high 
she was weeping for the last two minutes of this game, like tears rolling down her face, both in joy and fear and anger. Just was, was very fun to watch. And I'm very glad that green Bay won because the fun time would have ended. I think (laughs) (laughs) that game, I'm really glad that they make the cheese heads out of like foam. Because I think if the Cowboys would have won it, she was going to throw the cheese head at the TV. And I, w- I was worried about it. But luckily for me, that doesn't happen. But let's just be honest. This this is what's going to happen when you have such an amazing game between two really good teams. Is then you go back and nitpick everything. Like we, we just took 10 minutes talking about whether they should spike or not. I had a discussion with a couple Cowboys fans over a couple penalties that were called or not called throughout the game. Those happen everywhere, and I'm not going to blame the refs for it. I mean, we did have a first where I've never known about the if you had 12 men in the huddle, but then you get rid of the 12th man, then it's not 12 men on the field. Yeah, and if you go look conduct. back at it, he, they're not in the huddle. So the referees screwed that up. But that's so it's okay. just – he was there. He was in the huddle area. There was not a <laughs> huddle there, though. <laughs> it's a huddle. It's not like the old school huddles where everyone puts their arms around each other. It's a new school huddle. But again, I, does that cost Dallas the game? Probably not. It's no. who knows what happens with all of these things. But the fact that that's even a fifteen yard penalty is ridiculous. Oh, I'm not God. saying it was the right call or a wonderful rule or anything like that. But that's where we go to. Right? Is we just had one of the best games in our lifetime between yeah. two teams that in the second quarter, I was worried it was going to be a blowout until Dak d- drove down when they were down 21 to three and had what that two minute drive that ended with, with the the Bryant touchdown uh, to me. I go, if, if they have to punt on this drive, this game's over and he answered and then they were able to answer back in the second half. So for it to go from a complete blowout early into this amazing game and this amazing finish, you know, that's now what we do is we nitpick and where could it have changed and what could have been a different outcome. And thank God the NFL, we had really good games. We had two games come down to the wire and the two games that ended up blowouts were really close in the first half, at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And uh, I think that's what, you know, is you know making a lot of fans happy because let's be honest the wild card wasn't all that exciting um but i mean i I just want to ask you i guess one other last question before we move on though you know we saw both these teams both these teams in dallas and green bay had a lot to offer you know green bay was beat up on defense the cowboys just they were just uh, something was going on with them. I don't know if it was play calling or what in the first half of their defense just could not stop Aaron Rodgers at all. Uh, but at the end of the day, you get a, a really positive thing out of this. But the one thing that I have to ask you out of the whole thing is you just talked about Dak Prescott, how you were hard on him. What did, did that really show you anything? Or do you think he just came up with some good things during this game because of a weak secondary for the Packers. I just have that question because I wonder if, you know, we're actually seeing the growth of a young player or if it's just him taking advantage of a defense that's banged up. I think it's a bit of both columns. I mean, yes, the Packers secondary is beat up and I worry for them going up against Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. Um, But to be honest, the reason why I've been hard on Dak is not because I didn't think he was any good. It was just, I thought, we've heard all season long, it's like the MVP is between Ezekiel Elliott and Dak Prescott and Tom Brady. Take Dak out of that. He's not, he wasn't the MVP this season. He's nowhere near it. It's because Dallas, I think, were being very protected of him. That's why he didn't have as many mistakes. It's because the play calling was a lot of five, five to ten yard passes. That was his bread and butter. A lot of dump-offs. And honestly, to me, after he threw that interception and they knew they had to get going, I think they opened the playbook more. And they just said, Dak, we need this now. And let's see what you got. And that allowed him to show exactly what he can do. They they went, okay, we're not afraid of you making a mistake because we have to have this. And he was able to throw the ball downfield more. He was able to spread things out. We saw him with his legs as well. 
And honestly, if now that they've seen that, I think he has a better second year because, you know, now the shackles are off. Now we get to see the full set of his arsenal next year, which is great. That's be interesting. It really is. And I just wanted to find out because, you know, Sean and I are a little biased. We're hoping more than we are, you know. Being no, but a, we're I think you got to look but... at it, too. This was actually a a really great adjustment by Garrett or Linehan or whoever it was that they're obviously realizing, okay, well, the Packers are bringing people in to stop Zeke. So what do we do? Oh, well, it's creating these one-on-one matchups between Bryant and Gunther, and Gunther can't stop Bryant if it, you know, at that point he couldn't stop Bryant at all. He was getting beat every single time, so he just said, okay, well, let's start exploiting these one-on-one matchups. Let's figure out how to uh, get that middle of the field open for Terrence Williams where he was wide open and nobody was there. And, it, you know, it just... I think it's just a mix of, okay, yeah, we had to go get it, like Randy said, and also understanding where that defense is at at that point. And that's why I think they did pass the ball a lot more because they're having so much success passing that they didn't think about, oh, well, why do we need to mix it up? We're hitting every time. We're getting about 15, 20 yards. So... You know, I could kind of understand at that point, like, okay, well, we don't really need Zeke to keep running because we can just keep passing. It's doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. So, oh man, you know, it just, you know, I know we're going to leave this game, but I got to say this, you know, Randy just gave an insight on what a a Packer fan was doing during this game. I'll tell you this: I'm a little superstitious at times watching the games, and you know, I'll pace the floor. And uh, it was kind of funny. My wife was watching the game. And every time she'd look up and watch the game, the Cowboys, something penalty or someone would do something bad. Every time she'd look at her phone, they'd score a touchdown. <laughs> so I, I basically told her, you got to look at your phone the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it didn't work out. You know, su- you know, the superstition didn't work out, but it, it started to look good. So, and just, One last thing for me, we, we've, we've talked about all these different games that were close. And if they were played in a different field, would it be different? Uh, Gary kind of mentioned it earlier. I, I totally agree. If this was played in Lambeau, I think Dallas wins. It's so weird. And uh, you know, I'm glad you said that, Randy, because it's so odd, to, especially Cowboy fans. Because you're like, you know, come on, at home, you should do better. But no, Dallas's record at home is not great. Even and Look back at that 2014 team that we all talk about all the time. That team was I think they were undefeated on the road. Yeah. They and were. they lost like three or four, or like three of their games were the home. So it is, it's so weird that that team loves traveling. And it's been that way for the last three or four years. Well, I, I don't get it. Well, it's, it's because of the way the team is built. When you are in a dome like Dallas is, you, you think high powered passing attack. Dallas doesn't really have that right now. They are a ground and pound team. So if it was in Lambeau, in the cold, you ground and pound, you wear them the defense down, you extend drives that way. That's how it works. Green Bay is the exact opposite. Aaron Rodgers loves to throw the ball all over the place. So putting him on turf excels his game and exploits some of the weaknesses that the Dallas defense had. I think if you have it in Lambeau, it's completely different, and I think that would have favored the Cowboys just because they could pound Elliott into the line 20 times and wear them out, and then come the fourth quarter, the Cowboys definitely had the advantage. It's it's a very interesting. I'm I'm you know thinking to myself next year. I sure hope they're just a wild card team. <laughs> I, I don't mind. I'm okay with it. This whole first seed thing is not working out for the Cowboys. No, a lot of times they wind up losing because of you know they're not ready or yeah. I mean, there you had that same issue where there in the first half they were just lackadaisical and didn't seem like they were fired up or anything, you know and. I mean, I'm sure they were. It's just, it's like that's such a weird thing. Like, it seems to happen with the the uh, divisional. The, whoever had the bye, just, you know, we saw it with the Patriots. and That's just so weird how that happens, you know. 
Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, so the only thing we got left to talk about, other than uh, we, we talked a little bit about this, but uh, the NFL.com has an art uh, an article on their front page right now that says Aaron Rodgers has now reached Michael Jordan levels. Has Aaron Rodgers reached Michael Jordan levels? No. And that's no disrespect to Aaron Rodgers. Just Michael Jordan changed the entire game of basketball. It wasn't just that people think that Michael Jordan is the greatest player ever to live. He changed the entire sport. I mean, you think about how the NBA was in the 80s and early 90s and you know, you had the bad boys in Detroit and you know, I'm a Knicks fan, so you had the the teams of Ewing and Oakley and McDaniel, where it was just a rough and tough, you know, hard-hitting sport. And then you had Michael Jordan come in and completely change the game, and everyone all of a sudden dunks were even cooler than they were, and, and all of the flash and the style that he brought to the game in the 90s really revolutionized the game and brought it to a whole different light. Now, Aaron Rodgers is absolutely amazing, and I think by the time his career is over, he's battling out with Tom Brady as who's the greatest quarterback of all time, as long as, as well as a few other names. But r- right now, it's Tom Brady is being talked about as the guy now that could battle for that crown. I think Rodgers will, will surpass Brady, but he's not doing anything that just is completely revolutionary. All right, I well, mean, so he is change out the revolutionary and just on a how great they are at what they do as on the field, on the court. Not, oh, well, Michael Jordan well, is yeah. the guy no, I, that did everything for basketball. I get it. Yeah. I, I get that. And as far as that, I, I've always thought he was that. I've always thought by the time he's done with his career, he'll be a top five quarterback. I mean, he, the, the plays that he can make and the way he's able to extend plays and what he's done in his career with no running game to speak of for most of his career uh, it has been completely phenomenal. So as far as that, I thought he was already at that level. Yeah. I mean, this guy, you know, like I've said before, I'm not an Aaron Rodgers fan, but I I do. And it's not because of this game. It's just in general, uh, draft day. I love the fact that at least Gary admits it, you know, well, it has nothing to do with his play, though. It, it's the funny is because it's about his draft day, the He's way he acted. He's a bit of an asshole. We can admit he that. He is. The dude's Everybody got knows some confidence, okay? Yeah, yeah, whatever. So he's just an a-hole. But anyway, um, on the field, the number 12, I'll just call it number 12. Number 12 is excellent. He's great. One of, Probably one of the best of all time. He, he just makes it happen, okay? And he's proven it. Like Randy just pointed out, no running game. There's not a lot of quarterbacks in this league who are going to have the success that Aaron Rodgers has without a running game, without you know two high-powered uh, receivers and, a, and an excellent tight end. How many years have we seen him with tight ends that are about average to maybe a little bit better than average and still succeed? That's unusual. So you've got to give him that credit. You've got to give him... Uh, you know, the, the fact that he's already got MVP under his belt, the fact that this guy's won a Super Bowl, he's just done everything. And I, I look at him as, you know, we used to always talk about Joe Montana. When we talk about quarterback, right, the 70s was all about Roger Staubach. The 80s, all about Joe Montana. The 90s, uh, you know, you pick a few guys. There was nobody really just stood out and just knocked you over the head. I guess you could even throw Dan Marino a bone. But really, now it's all about Aaron Rodgers. And Tom Brady's in that mix, too. Trust me. He's one of the two. So those two guys right there, those are the names that people will be talking about always. When they just say, name a quarterback, it'll be Aaron Rodgers. That'll be the first thing that pops in their mind. And that shows greatness, kind of like when you talk about basketball, Michael Jordan. So I don't know if he's reached the complete status of Michael Jordan, but he's getting you know closer. I mean, I don't know that he ever will from the standard of what Randy's saying. That when Michael Jordan came along, he just absolutely changed everything. And what what we see in basketball today, the the rise, the the how popular those players are now, what they get merchandising deals, all that kind of stuff. That all comes from Michael Jordan. You know, but I think that's just from the case of 
we always forget how, as much as that quarterback is totally, for the, you know, you can argue this, but the quarterback is the most important position in in the league, in, in the NFL, and football. Okay, but football is such a team sport; it's a more of a team sport than any of the other sports. So, you know, you can have that Michael Jordan that that has sixty three points or whatever and he can score 40 of them by himself where he just comes up and shoots well you can't do that if you're Aaron Rodgers because guess what you got to have the receiver on the other and then actually catches the ball and Aaron Rodgers had a problem for four games this season where those guys weren't doing that so and he still even even with the, the talent that he has with some of them without his lead receiver went out there and won a game, and how big was Jared Cook in this game that we didn't even talk about? He was giving Byron Jones problems, and Byron Jones is the tight end killer a lot of times. So, you know, uh, got to give everybody credit, but I think, you know, Aaron Rodgers, just some of the throws he made in that game are just absolutely ridiculous, and it's not just in that game, just he does it all the time, but that game highlighted to me just, that one where he just throws it like it's some rainbow pass. He throws this. I was just like, my, who does that? Like, my God, that's just ridiculous. I mean, you know, you can say what you want about, you know, Big Ben extends plays like he does, but Aaron Rodgers doesn't have Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell, two of the, two of the greatest freaking uh, position players in the entire league. That dude does a lot with, Look what he did uh, last year when he just had everybody was hurt and he had Jeff Janis and Jared Everdares he was throwing to. It's just it's insane what this guy is. You know, we you always used to talk about Brett Favre made his receivers better. You knew those guys with so Brett Favre. Aaron Rodgers does the same thing, but somehow even better. And I yeah, I think from an on the field. On the court perspective, I think you can sort of compare them. Will you ever be able to compare him from the everything he ever did? No. Uh, but, I mean, they both have big egos. They're both a bit of assholes. So you can compare them that way, too. But, uh, yeah, especially if Aaron Rodgers wins the championship. Uh, yeah. It's going to be hard not to. Yeah, uh, definitely. And you mentioned uh, Le'Veon Bell. You know, he just got through saying that he's changed the game like Stephen Curry. He's definitely the best running back in the the league. I don't think you can. I don't know if that's really debatable. But well, he said he changed the game, though. I mean, I just always try to figure out how he changed. I don't, the game. He well, he he's a he's a dual threat, but he's not the first one to ever do that. You know, Marshall Falk yeah, did no. that, and you know. No, he he feels like he's changing the game with his patience. Because that's oh, what you well, see yes, everyone yeah. talk about, is how he can just stand behind the line and wait for the hole. The The thing is, with with his comparison, is it's still kind of a wait and see. Because obviously, once Steph Curry became really popular, all you saw around all high schools and AAUs and stuff were kids just jacking up shots. They wanted to be the next Steph Curry, and, and Curry can make the shot from everywhere, and... You know, that quick release and everything. So all the kids try to emulate that. Yeah, Go to your local high school next year and see how many running backs do what Le'Veon Bell does and try to stay behind their line and wait for the right hole. And then we can say, yes, he is changing the way the running backs are, are starting to learn their craft and, and basically influencing the kids of the nation. And then, yes, I would say he's the next he's the NFL's version of Steph Curry. I don't know. I just think that's such a skill of his. Like, I don't know that you're sitting there. I don't know that some of that can be totally learned. Some of that is just a talent he has, an instinctual thing that he has. And sometimes you you just can't be taught instincts. Like, I have just never seen a guy that it looks like he is just dead stopped there. And all of a sudden, he's going again. It's like, what the hell? Did this just happen? He's he should have been tackled like five yards ago, and he stops there, and it's like time stood still, and this hole opened, and here he goes. So I'm just like, wow. It's just 
I I don't know. Some of some of that stuff you just can't teach somebody. Yeah, he's definitely a great player. I I not take anything away from him, but I just you know I think it's a little bit too early if you start you know saying that you're changing the game because I mean. There's plenty of great running backs in history who've been dual threats who can do a lot of the things he can do. It's just, you know, he's one of the few right now that you can definitely say, put him on any team and he's going to have success. Oh, yeah, certainly. Well, uh, I think we kind of talked about everything other than apparently the 49ers really want Kyle Shanahan as their coach, even though they don't even have a GM yet. Obviously, they have to wait until either the Falcons get eliminated or after the Super Bowl if the Falcons make it that far. But do you see... Obviously, that's the best offense going around, so he's going to be a guy because it looks like Josh McDaniels is staying with the Patriots. Lots of work to be done with 49ers, but would this be a landing spot you'd want to go to if you're Kyle Shanahan? I don't know. There's only 32 spots, and you could definitely change things around. But to me, there are three destinations I just don't want to have any part of right now. Cleveland, Buffalo, and San Francisco. I just think the ownership there is complete messes. Cleveland, out of those three, it would be the one I'd rather go to. But I I just... uh, for what he has been able to do in Atlanta, I honestly think just stay there for another year and wait for something else to open up. I, I would rather be the offensive coordinator for the Falcons than be the head coach for the 49ers, to be honest. Yeah. It, you know, this is kind of one of those situations where I think, you know, this may be a place that he can, you know, rebuild or you know do whatever he wants when it comes to scheme and all that cause i'm sure the gm that's going to be put in place is going to be favorable to him uh but on the other hand this is a difficult task this is a team it's going to take more than one year it's going to take several to get them back on track i'm sure uh, because just the culture in that locker room everything that's been done with them just the complete just tear down of this franchise because of the, you know, just the bad things going on with them. So it's a big task. It's, it's not something that Kyle's going to walk into and feel comfortable on. They're going to have a lot to, you know, ask of him. Is that a good choice for him? I, I can't say that, but it may be one of the better choices he has. I don't know of many other choices that are going to be available after the Super Bowl. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of on Randy's train there of, you don't have to rush out and take the first job available to you. Uh, you can definitely still be that Atlanta Falcons. Now, if they're offering you some ridiculous amount of money and you're just thinking about, okay, well, I can take this money and I can have my family set and all that kind of stuff, which that matters, then, you know, do what you got to do, Right. And it's not like we haven't seen teams, if you finally get a good crew in there and you start drafting well, how things can change. But, you know, that whole situation with that ownership and everything is so unstable. And they're so, somehow they expect ridiculous things to happen with that team when they shouldn't. That's a team that was bound to be where they are right now. And they were going to be like that last year. And they were going to be like that the year before because all this chaos is going around. And I just, you know, I wonder if you're Kyle Shanahan, like you said, Randy, wait till there's a better spot open. And the problem is that this wasn't really his fault, right? This is, well, his team's in the playoffs, and so he can't take it. He can't take the Buffalo job. He can't take the jacksonville job if he wanted it he can't do any of that because and does he run in that situation next year again where okay well all the good jobs get taken because those teams don't want to wait and he's left with with maybe nothing at that point or or in the same vein as as the 49ers 
Yeah, uh, you're you're right on that, and you know it just depends on on who's going to be you know taken before then or what. But you know it, it just it makes me a little nervous for Kyle because of the fact that you know the options he has this could be the one that he wants because you know he gets to basically start from scratch from what he really feels is best for the team. The other teams he goes to may really you know be kind of halfway set. And he has to really kind of figure things out from there. I think, you know, just it's all going to depend on how his end of the year ends and all that. Yep. So, all right. Well, I think that's going to do it for us on uh, this week's show. We'll, of course, be back on the Friday morning edition to preview the NFC and AFC Conference Championship games and whatever else has been going on. In the football world, until then, uh, thank you for listening. Uh, make sure you subscribe to Football to the Max or subscribe to the WTM Network and not only get this show, but get all the other shows that we do. You know, Randy's Fantasy Podcast, get, uh, you know, the Wrestling Podcast, all that stuff. And, of course, check out WTMNet.com where you get not only the podcast, you can listen to them there, or you can... Uh, also check out some written stuff, you know, written wrestling reviews and written game reviews and, and other things going on there. So, alrighty, uh, we will see you again on Friday. Until then, take care and we'll see you later. podcast is a w2m network original production visit w2mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts plus news reviews articles and opinions from the worlds of wrestling video games football and entertainment